Welcome back to Therapy Insiders Podcast. Thanks for tuning in. Well, we've been away for a little while. A lot of stuff going on, which we'll get into this episode. And it, it, it's time to switch things up a bit. Uh, we, we've been doing this for a while, uh, since 2013, 2012, 2013, something like that. It, it's been like six years, Hundred, over 120 episodes. We've interviewed so many people, so many topics, but there's only so many times you can have similar conversations in the same way. It, it's time to push the envelope a little bit and really grow. So Therapy Insiders Podcast, back for the latest season. It's going to be multicast, so we are live. As the episode is recorded, it's also live video. It's also live podcast, everything together. You can ask us questions as we're doing it because we would get so many questions after the fact. Now you can ask us real time. Episodes are going to be Fridays at 12 p.m. Eastern. Episodes are going to be streamcast on Facebook Live as well as normal podcast recording. So we have a lot of fun things planned in the future. Kicking it off with this episode to kind of explain what this is going to be about and catch you up on what we've been up to in the interim. Happy to be back. Welcome back to Therapy Insiders Podcast. What's up? Welcome back to Therapy Insiders Podcast. Um, Dr. Gene Schrockerbrod here with Dr. Urson Religioso. Um, yeah, we're back, Urs. It's been it's been a little while, and um, we've been a little busy. And I think for most people listening, they probably have kept up with us because it's not like we've been completely away because we still do a lot with other media, uh, especially video for um, for us, but. This, this is a little different. We're kind of switching things up a little bit for, for a variety of reasons. One, I think we did, we've done, I don't even know how many, almost 150 episodes of Therapy Insiders for about six years now. I, it's time for change. It's time to, um, to switch things up a little bit. So we're doing a, a simul dual tri cast thing right now. It, it's incredibly complex and confusing. And um, we'll see how it works out. But people are watching us live. So we have video going now. We have our normal podcast recording. We have satellite streaming from space. We have uh, God knows what, like everything is turned on right now. And it's recording us live audio video. I'm pretty sure somebody is right now typing this up somewhere. Like every single format possible is being covered. So we'll see how it goes. But welcome back, buddy. Yeah. Wow. Welcome back. We, you know, we originally planned on doing the return episode way back in September of 2017. That's not really dating this, but that is many, many months ago. And it was actually a great podcast that had 
horrible audio problems. I, right? It had it had ha- like it's. I feel like you do this long enough and you start to see patterns. It's like, it's like being in clinical practice. You do it long enough and you start to see the patterns that kind of evolve in front of your face. I think this is the same when you, when you're doing creating content, whether it's podcasting or not, like you, you start to see that the cyclical pattern of errors and technical difficulties. And for us, obviously in the podcast stuff, it's, um, it's, it's audio and it just happens, but the show must go on usually. For sure. And why not? Why not try a new format? You know, like you said, uh, 150 episodes. Wow, that's that's crazy. I didn't even know it was that much. Six years. I can't even believe it. Why not try a new format and get uh, get live comments, questions, uh, make it like a, a call in show. So, yeah, exactly. Because we we after the fact, we would get uh, requests all the time and questions. We would get emails and for our regular listeners, you, you know how awesome I am with email email as is. Um, but people started to figure out and they would, um, send Twitter messages, 122 episodes. I just looked it up at person, 122 episodes. Okay. First episode posted on February 25th, 2013. Oh, uh, well, I wasn't part of that till uh, about at least a year later. Yeah. You came on, let's see. Um, you came on, on September 6th, 2014. So uh, a few months later, but pretty early on. Yeah. Yeah. The perpetual guest that never left. It just kept bringing you back. Uh, but yeah, so people kept like once when we talk about something and we, we make it realistic, obviously we, we make it actionable. Um, and the last few years has been very business heavy just because we feel like that's been very, a lot of interest in, in that, in that realm. And also it's been really evolving and emerging because we've been pushing it forward, which has been great. But questions would come to email, they would come to Twitter messages. So we were like, uh, you know, screw it, let's just do it live. And if somebody has questions, they can, and they can ask the question right in here now. So you can actually, if you're watching live now, you can just submit your questions. But even if you're watching the replay, you can just ask a comment on Facebook or wherever this is streaming, it becomes a centralized place to uh, to have a conversation about the the topic that we discussed, so um, so we'll see we'll see how it goes. Yeah, so how's it been going this year? Uh, you know, we catch up every once in a while, in, at least on the podcast, mm-hmm. in terms of your new uh, business endeavors. How's Recharge going? It's going great. Uh, for those following along, Recharge we're getting ready to hit a year, and which is um, it's kind of mind boggling. Just for the normal conversations about time, right? You, you never perceive time in, in, in real time. It, it's always a comparison to the past. So it's something that already happens when you say like, wow, I can't believe something moved this fast. It's because you're making a comparison to something that already was. And it's this complex time warp continuum stuff. But Recharge, May 5th is our one year anniversary. And Recharge is our model of physio with fitness, uh, that we opened in, in Maryland. And, um, yeah, it's been, it's been a wild ride, man. It's been, it's been amazing. The stuff that we've experienced here in 10 months, um, I'd say kind of has, has encapsulated everything that I've experienced in my entire career in a very short term. So the highs, the lows, the crazy stories, the impacts on people, the stuff that people, the, the stuff that we do as physical therapists, I'd say the best of the best we've been able to experience in 10 months 
with hardly any of the worst of the worst. There's no insurance. There's no um, struggle to kind of keep up with billing and hours. And, uh, you know, is, is, has this been eight minutes? Has been 22 minutes? Do we, are we billing enough codes? Like none of that shit exists here. It, it's, it's so unrealistic. It's unbelievable. But this is what the future should be. Um, so it's, it's like because we still get a lot of students. Um, we've, we've had two students already in, in that short time and we were like booked with students for the foreseeable future. And they come in here and they're like, this is amazing. And we're like, well, unfortunately don't get used to it because once you leave, you're kind of leaving this vacuum of, of perfection. Okay. Maybe exaggerating a little bit. There's still a lot of shit to work out here, but we really believe that the, the line between medical and fitness or medical and health almost doesn't exist here. It's just this scale, this continuum of back and forth where, you know, we have, obviously we track when it's a medical and strictly physical therapy, we still have our practice act things that we have to follow the notes and the evals and revals and stuff like that. But in terms of everything else from a business side of it, it's just this fluid back and forth. And it's just been amazing, man. It's been, it's been really cool. Yeah, I think uh, for students, it would be like leaving the matrix and then going to the real world and eating that eating that goop that they eat. That just tastes, it's like protein goop. Except they get crab cakes and not goop here. Yeah. But aside from right. that. Yes, yeah. yes. Well, but that, that would be in the matrix. You're getting the crab cakes. <laughs> True. Yeah, they get they get unplugged pretty hard. And it's, it's a bit of a whiplash. Um, but it's not easy because the, when, what, what they're learning is, aside from the clinical things, they, they learn communication. They learn what, what it is to connect with people. They learn what it is to develop an experience. Um, and they, they learn how to build a business and how to, to be part, the central, we call ourselves the health hub, to be the central part of a community. Um, and for us, it's even more micro than that. We look, we look at Recharge being a neighborhood center versus even bigger than a community center because I feel like every neighborhood has its own unique needs its own unique personalities and um you can you can still have kind of a a centralized company or brand and then tailor it a bit to the community needs which is um which is fun i mean it really is fun it's hard but it's fun sure i like the you know the fact that something else you guys do is you you calculate the entire experience you know you have like a waiting room that's not just chairs like it has a uh, SNES mini and a ping pong table. And I like, guess all the ping pong table. I just didn't want to leave. I mean, that is, that would be my ideal practice as well. Um, you know, I just have a table in a gym. So whatever the gym has, that's what they have. So we have our first comment. So we'll, we will get to that. Um, yeah. yeah. So yeah, as questions come in, let's, let's just answer them. So, um, so we don't lose track of them. So I'll put it up on the screen. Mandy asks, is there a method that you use for goal setting and how many goals can someone really focus on to get good results? You want to kick it off first? Well, I mean, my method is usually at the end of the evaluation. I mean, typically it's something that you also should have on your intake forms. In my case, my intake forms are online, but as a question, you know, what do you want to address or what are your goals? And that's something that I struggled with forever because I just wanted to control the entire session so much. And I got tired of seeing, I just want to be pain-free, just want to be pain-free, just want to be pain-free because everyone's goals, if their goal is just to be pain-free, but sometimes being pain-free, they still have deficits or they don't have function 
uh, or they're still unhealthy or maybe being pain-free is not an option for someone who's centrally sensitized. So uh, I have gotten, because I'm more patient-focused now and I'm all about the patient interaction and patient education, I mean, for the first part of my career, I, I actually struggled with asking that question and paying attention to that question. But now I think asking that question face-to-face as opposed to part of a form is very important. Like, what what do you... Oh, Business goals. Okay, well. Just erase everything you just said. Nobody cares about patient goals, Arson. Let's talk what's really important is business. Get your mind right. Gosh, so much business in this podcast. Unbelievable. I'll let you handle that. Unbelievable. Um, Mandy, <laughs> it, um, business goals depend on your, your KPIs, your, your key performance um, metrics that, that you're tracking. So for, for every metric, there should be a strategy to achieve that metric and something to track it. Um, so it, you can have one goal, you can have three goals. Um, what you'll see, it, it, it becomes a game of iteration that whatever goals you set, you need to understand that they will be changed and adjusted. And the, the biggest mistake I see is people holding on to goals as anchors for no reason, as just using it as an arbitrary thing, like, oh, I made a goal, obviously I need to hit this goal or I failed. Well, no. Sometimes you need to know that the goal needs to change based on the reality that's going on. So the number you could set whatever whatever you need, uh, but the more important thing is creating the, the KPI, creating a way to get that KPI, and then deciding what is, once, once you actually have a strategy to achieving it, what are you trying to achieve and break it down. So it could be, it could be whatever number of goals you need and you're good at. Um, to me, it, it has to be a fluid thing and, if you have too many goals, then you become a slave to the goal versus a slave to the mission or a, a push to the mission, I should say. That's wise. <laughs> I got to write this down. <laughs> Come on, Arsen, you run a business. Yes, you I do. You like a gazillion dollars worth of things. Oh, I wish. I wish. Yeah. I mean, for me, I, I choose a metric uh, and I, I must do, you know, sure. I look at uh, my quarterly uh, quarterly revenues. And I try to look at things quarter by quarter. Where was I last quarter? Where was I last year at this time? But also, I, I also have um, small goals as in, depending on what metrics I'm looking at, like what's my, what are, what are my engagements on this type of post? How is it, how's this post doing? How's this type of ad doing? How's my remarketing uh, campaigns going versus just my general campaigns? I, I look at all of those things. I try to be very fluid with that. And for sure, I think fluidity is very important because you are going to have a lot of disappointments, and as many, it is quite a roller coaster. And just when you think you're doing well, uh, something is definitely going to derail it. And, and it's not ever something that you should kind of rest your laurels on. Any business that ever rested their laurels, they're probably out of business because someone just came along and did it better, uh, or more efficiently, or for whatever reason. Um, but yeah, that's uh, that's my roundabout way of doing it. Me, my one person running all my businesses. Um, I should probably have formal training, I think, every time I get into these conversations. <laughs> it's only been four years, yeah. Um, yeah. Th- the other thing, Mandy, I would say is kind of the next the next level of this that doesn't get talked about when, when dealing with goals. Um, it's the delegation of goals for KPIs, um, which I, I feel like never gets done, especially when we have these conversations. Um, and for a lot of our listeners who are either solo practitioners or have cash-based businesses, or even the ones that are running multiple bit or multiple clinics, locations, or whatever businesses they have, 
I think as your business grows, this becomes a, a mandatory uh, part of business is that not only do you create KPIs, but you create teams and you delegate goals based on KPIs, based on the strongest person in that team and what they're trying to do. Um, so goal, goal setting is not just about your goals. It's not just the business goals. It's, it, and this comes from a leadership position as, as a CEO or whatever C-suite uh, job you have. And it eventually trickles down to the managers is you need to be able to know who's on your team, what their strengths are, what the overall business KPIs are, and then delegate goals to those people. And then it becomes their ownership. It's, it's on them to achieve those goals for the betterment of the business. So that that's a that's a way to expand overall goal setting. But you also have to understand, again, bring it back to the relevancy of, is it better for the business? Do we need to adjust these goals? So another question, a follow-up question to that is, how often are you checking in on the goals? What are the timelines? Um, what is a good result? Um, and when is it time to change? When is it time to say this was a shitty goal? This is not something that is relevant to the time now, which I think really needs to be done a lot more. So good question, Mandy. Hope that helps. Yes. And patient so, goals, not patient goals. Patient goals. Well, well let's, let's talk a little bit about patient goals since you started on this. Uh, yeah. Because I did, I did have a thought, like as, as you're telling this, as we changed our model um, or as we've been from the start working in our model, because a lot of patient goals, I think that I can't remember who told me this, but it was a, one of these brain opening moments for me. A lot of patient goals become robotic because they're forced by insurance companies, right? You have right. to put it in your notes. So it's sent in and it's checked and it becomes this drudgery of paperwork versus a communication, a, a an ability or an opportunity to connect with the patient on a really authentic level to really help them along. Instead, you're like, shit, well, how do I, how do I make this objective? How do, how, how do I make this defensible? How do I make these goals relevant for me versus saying, what is the patient really trying to do? And I'm not saying people, clinicians don't help their patients or don't work for goals, but I feel like there becomes this very clear disconnect, this, the, these silos of how I am in clinic and how I am in business or in, um, in admin. Right. And th this, this, this is a big, big problem, Erson. Right. And I think something that you said earlier about uh, working at Recharge and it being this haven and free of insurance and free of all that paperwork, I think one of the misconceptions of going cash PT is that I've had people ask me, do you still need to take notes? You know, and the, the notes are your records and that it would be illegal to have an interaction with the patient and not have records of it in a recognizable format, like a standardized soap note format or whatever format you happen to be using. Uh, just because you don't do the soap for the insurance, you do the soap because it's your record of the entire visit and you need that for legal purposes. Um, so I, I think that that is an important distinction. But yeah, you know, your other, to your other point about the goals pretty much get set for Medicare, or you just have Oswestry scores on them and uh, whatever, how to make the, it's hard. It, it is definitely difficult to make a patient's goal objective, right? How do you objectify this goal? Mm -hmm. And I think there are two different distinct entities there. You, you have to rate goals if you are insurance-based to 
make them defensible and make them medical medically necessary so that you get reimbursed. Uh, but you also can't forget, which what I did for years, you can't forget that the patient actually also has goals that are not even your goals. Probably you may have goals for them. Like I want to increase their forward bending and decrease their score in the FABQ and all this stuff. But they also just have a goal that they just want to golf again or hold their grandchild. And they don't really care about their hip flexibility or whatever it is that you yeah, objectively measured. It's it, I, having an opportunity to talk with people. I think that's, that's one of the, the, the biggest things. And for those that don't know the model, please ask questions. I'll be happy to, to answer them about recharge. But at this point, I feel like we've, we've shared so much about recharge and have had so many articles posted that most people should have a good idea of, of what it is. And if it's not, it's just a shitty job on us communicating <laughs> that at this point. Uh, <laughs> but I would say, though, not to interrupt you, you could never talk about or promote, self-promote enough because you assume that just because you share a lot that every single person and every single one of your followers, even your most dedicated followers, knows exactly what it is you're doing. And it never surprises me that some people who just say, hey, I read your, I check your blog before I read my own emails every morning, and they still get surprised that I scrape with the edge tool uh, with the force of a kitten licking you. You know, like they, they don't get like, oh, it's really that light. I'm like, yeah, that's not a joke. You know, when I say that people, you you can't, you can't make the assumption that people know exactly what it is that you do. You know, what is it that you do here? I forget the line. Well, that's, that's, that's a pro tip, right? It's uh, um, when, when you're creating content and when you're sharing content, you're, you're always, you have this in the back of your mind, this feeling is I I just don't want to annoy people. If I post too much, I'm going to annoy people or they get tired of it. And it, it, it's it's a self-conscious issue. It's not a logical data-driven issue. What the data shows is that when you post something, it disappears. It's just gone. And especially on Facebook and even more so on Twitter, it's, it's there, then it's gone. You have about a, a window of 24 hours when it's the max effect. Um, so you have to reshare it and repost it because you only get a fraction hit when you post it the first time and people will find your content again. So you have to reframe it as that you're annoying people and reframe it to you're actually providing more value to people when you show that to them again, because they won, they might've missed it, but definitely you did not hit every single person that could have benefited from it the first time. So you have to keep coming back to it. And that that's a great pointer. Right. I mean, what I always tell people is you think Apple, Samsung, Budweiser, you think they, think that they're annoying people with the inundation of ads? Uh, do you think that uh, you know people are like, oh, I have a YouTube channel, but I'm not on Instagram or on Facebook, but I'm not on YouTube. And I'm like, do you think Apple is just like, we're going to advertise on network TV, but not on the radio? I mean, like, uh, that's why I always say, like, I try to be on as many different platforms as possible. But, uh, you know, sometimes, like, if you have a favorite commercial, you might just think, wow, I love this commercial. It's hilarious. You can even think that, that by reposting, you, someone may even, like, and then like, oh, I'm looking for this. I've been looking for this post. I wanted to share this, but I, I couldn't find it on my timeline because everyone's timelines are totally inundated. And they're not, they're not also um, by time mm-hmm. anymore. They're by an algorithm. You know, they don't, get, they don't get posted to your timeline. Every time I log into Facebook, it's like the face, Facebook post that Facebook thinks I want to read from like the past two or three days. It is not like whatever just someone just posted. My wife doesn't even see my post because she probably did, she's never clicked like on them. Maybe you know, just for an example. At least my Facebook uh, business post. She says like, my <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And I think ultimately it comes down to two two questions that you have to ask. 
One is that are you self-conscious and two, are you making shitty content? And if, if the answer to one is no, and the answer to number two is yes, then you know, it's terrible content. If the answer to the first one is yes. And the second one, no, then keep resharing and reposting. Because if you're making good content, if you truly believe it's quality content that will benefit someone, you should keep posting it and reposting it. Because even, even as you grow, you're going to bring on new people that did not see your old stuff because people hardly ever, unless you're, they're your biggest fans or looking like you said, Urson, for something specific, hardly ever will they go back in time to see what you've had before. They will find you in a way, something new that you put out. And that's usually the only opportunity for them to go back and, and search through your old library. But even that hardly ever happens. Um, right. People don't visit your page. People don't search. They don't visit your page, click your videos, then click the search just for your videos. If they don't find it within the first two or three clicks of a search, they're not going to yeah. find it. Uh, let's see. Mandy asked Basically. another question. Do you personally test test for those that you get into business with slash hire so you can bring into the forefront each of our weaknesses, the idea of creating the authentic environment at your work? Uh, that, that's a great question. Um, I'll leave it up there for people to read. It's Do, do you want to go after it first, Urs? <laughs> I don't have any employees. I do have several 1099s and I... I don't actually have any objective tests, but I think it goes back to what I learned when I first uh, started interviewing for jobs 20 years ago. I'm about to do some kind of huge reflection post slash thing in May. I don't know what I'm going to do in May, but it's been 20 years. And someone basically told me, you know, yeah, your resume may matter. Your cover letter may matter, all these things. But ultimately, if someone likes you, they're going to hire you. Or if someone feels like you can, if they feel like they see themselves getting along with you or you fit the workplace that they have envisioned for themselves or whatever, you know, their work environment is, you're more, more likely to be hired rather than whatever your resume or your qualifications are. So, I mean, in a way, everyone who I've ever associated with, or, um, you know, my instructors that I'm just starting now to launch, like side courses with the eclectic approach, I vetted all of them. I've known them for years in social media. I've interacted with them. They've come to my courses so it's more like I already, it's just personal interactions, you know, it's the more I got to know them, the more I realized they were a better fit for my business. But I definitely don't use any kind of inventory screening or um, any kind of objective measure for that. Yeah, um, Mandy, I think personality tests are great. And we've, we've talked about this. Uh, there's there's a lot of good ones. Uh, I think from from the get go, you you have to really know the personality test inside and out. I think if you have a good grasp on them, you could you can essentially implement them without the person knowing. I think if if you're bringing somebody on and you go, "Listen, I would love to work with you. I think you're a great individual. You have a ton of potential. I see possibly partnership potential, but first, I'm going to have to get a personality test. I'm going to have to get a blood test. I'm going to have to get a lie detection test. And after that, maybe we can sit down and see if this works out." Like it's too much for most people. Because people, that's not expected. Not not to say that you can't make that part of your procedure and just do it that way. That would be perfectly fine. It's just people, some people might be turned off by that. It, it it's, it's the culture that you want. Yeah, I didn't want to take that blood test to be a part of Therapy Insider's yeah. podcast. Urson, we're going to need a blood test, I a urine test, a lie detection test, all of the above, please, before you can be a guest. Like all our guests, we should do that for all our guests. 
Like we, we don't, we don't send questions yeah, to our guests. So if you didn't know, like we never script <laughs> or prepare anything for a podcast. So we have spontaneity. I don't think people know that. <laughs> I'm just repeating it, Arson, making sure they, they know that it's, that's very clear. So if you want to be a guest on Therapy Insiders, and at this point we, we get a bunch of uh, requests, um, ex- expect the Therapy Insiders trademark guest interview uh, kit, which will be a blood test and a, a urine test. If you pass that, th- you can't be a guest. If you fail it, then yes, you can be a guest. That That's how it works. That's a little flip right. on and it. And also, how to pronounce your last name for me. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> to, to be fair, I failed that one the first time too. Oh yeah, yeah, for sure. Religioso. Yeah. <laughs> it looks like religioso. It does. It could be Italian. You, you could pull it off. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Yeah, this is Sicilian, right? I'm offending all the now Sicilians right now. You're way too nice I'm... and non non combative Sicilian. <laughs> <laughs> And just, just completely offended our know, Maybe listeners. earlier on in my career. Right, no, geez, I thought I well, offended look, the Sicilians. Arson, if, if we're coming back, might as well come back with a little fire, all right? By the way, yes, I know. The podcast is rated E also, yeah. thanks to Gene. Well, yes. I'm, I'm the one that usually gets all the all the nasty email anyway. You, usually for our opening diatribes for more than anything. But, but to be fair, yeah. this entire... I know you guys talk too much about Star Wars. This, this entire episode is like an, an entire opening of of our usual podcast. So can't wait to hear what people think. This is the return. Oh my gosh! I wish <laughs> I never came back. You guys were gone. <laughs> might might get a few of that, but to be fair, we did get emails and messages about when the podcast is coming back, and that's usually our our kind of push to to get back into it. So um, all all it takes is a couple. I know we've been gone a while when people actually have been for once writing to me that they love untold physio stories. Like they never, when this, when we were doing this regularly, people didn't even know I had another podcast. So it's like, well, okay, great. I mean, that's why I say you can't promote yourself too much. People are like, and my courses all the time. They're like, Hey, I follow you on Instagram. Like you read my blog. They're like, you have a blog. Yeah. Like, I mean, uh, you know, so. the whole, this whole podcast thing, it, it is fun. It, it's a lot of fun to have, to have these conversations, but uh, me personally, especially being a nonconformist, I just, I just get bored with things. And I love doing this podcast for, for obviously, cause we've do, been doing it since 2013, but there's just periods where I'm like, there's only so many interviews we can do and there's only so many of the same conversations we can have. So if, if we're going to do it, there needs to be an adjustment. There needs to be a change. There needs to be movement forward. And I think we're there. And obviously what we want to do for this season is, is, is exciting and it's going to be fun and how we approach it and the guests that we bring on and the topics that we want to talk about. Cause the goal are sent here, here, Mandy, here are my goals for 2018. Oh I'm, I'm going to hit you. How are you going to make this objective gonna, though? Make this objective. I'm going to hit you with two goals is one, make physical therapy more mainstream. That's my one big goal. Um, so that that's going to involve a lot of things, obviously mass media, that's going to involve uh, more videos. There's a project that um, is in the early stages right now that um, I'm kind of conceptualizing that if it goes through and I can find uh, funding for it, that I think it's going to be awesome. Um, so that's, that's the main goal. And Goal number two, it's just change the creative output and integrate technology 
into what we do and we're already doing that with updoc so i'm I'm really excited to to bring that to the forefront um and obviously i think this podcast is going to be essentially a vehicle for us to give people the the back scene kind of experience of what's going on at updoc what we're working on the the what it's like to really try to work with mass media what it's like to build a startup what it's like to get funding what it's like to do all these things that you might see in other industries that we're doing here, right? We, we have funding, we're in, uh, invested, we have investor support for recharge. We have investor, some investor support for updock that we're growing. Um, and then we haven't even talked about kind of the next stage for updock and what we have going on now that we might just save for the next episodes. And, um, cause that's, that's some big stuff. That's some big stuff. Oh yeah. Big things going on at updock media. Yep. Uh, I think, <laughs> oh, don't play coy. You know exactly what's going on. Uh, I do know exactly what's going on. We're just yeah, teasing. Right. It's like the it's like the trailer before the trailer. <laughs> the pre-trailer, the teaser trailer. That's already like 30 minutes long. Oh gosh, finally a question for me. Oh. <laughs> don't expect any business wisdom from me. All right. Susie Singer Parnell asked, what are your thoughts on PT telehealth? It's a big question. That is a big, big question. I mean, we'll, we'll probably have an entire episode dedicated to PT telehealth, but Urs, kick, kick it off. What do you think? You know, I somehow became some sort of expert on telehealth because I was one of the first people doing it online. Uh, shortly after I launched my blog, I started getting the variety and I started getting people reaching out to me. Hey, can you help me? I start, you know, so I looked at the legalities of it. I mean, my initial thoughts are it's good. I think it's great, and I think there is there's at least five or six articles that I have read in the past couple of years that shows that yeah, you PT by telehealth for low back pain, for chronic pain, for post op total knees, it works. Uh, they have they have good outcomes. I don't you know I can't think of the top of my head if they had control groups or whatever, but uh, the research is backing it up preliminarily. But when I started looking at it otherwise in terms of legality, we we can't even do it. I mean, we're so behind. Uh, I have to call them consultations. I still do them every once in a while. I'm not doing like three or four a month like I used to, and maybe doing, you know, one or two a quarter or so, just because I self-limited. I don't want to do too many. I have other things going on. Um, but I, I think that, you know, in New York, every state is different. In New York, I can do telehealth with someone else in New York where I'm licensed as in it's actually physical therapy as long as they have a backup physical therapist whatever that means I mean it's like if they had a backup physical therapist they probably wouldn't have reached out to me or their backup physical therapist didn't help them to begin with or their backup physical therapist said hey I think you should reach out to this guy online um so you know I, I I was very careful, basically, what I always tell people, like, I do it altruistically. Sure, I'm charging for it, but I'm calling it a consultation and saying, hey, why don't you try these movements and these strategies and try mindfulness and maybe here's things you can modify for your diet. And I have a, a social media and consultation writer on my, mal my PT malpractice because it's not technically physical therapy that I'm doing across state lines. Um, but, you know, I think that it's still nascent, surprisingly enough. Um, but I think that if we really get on board with that, it could it could be huge for people who don't otherwise have good access to uh, excellent healthcare. Yeah, that was a great point. Um, Susie, first, um, I'm going to kind of take a little detour. Uh, one, I hate the name 
telehealth. It, it makes no sense to me. Like, are we talking about telephones? Are we talking about tele? Hello. Yeah, are we talking about television? It, it, I think it's already an outdated term. It, it was just kind of grandfathered in from, from the past. Uh, me, I'd call it like DigiHealth or something like that, because that's essentially what we're offering is digital health connection. Uh, so I think I think reframing because words matter, and I think in terms of marketing and branding, but that's that's a technical aside. Um, in terms of the thoughts of implementation, so in healthcare we are always limited, or at least disruption and growth is always limited by one factor every single time, and that one factor is regulation. We are a highly regulated industry, so from from a growth standpoint, growth is usually parallel with money. I mean, that's, that's how it goes hand in hand, right? When, when you look at uh, Silicon Valley, when you look at technology, growth and disruption happens when there's a low serving area that gets disrupted by a lower cost technology that is eventually adopted en masse. And with, with health, whether it's physical therapy, whether it's medicine or traditional medicine, doesn't matter. We have insane regulations pushing us down. I'm not saying this is a bad thing. We need those regulations for the most part. Um, and yeah, she, uh, Susie says, will the compact help us? It, it will to an extent, but it, it doesn't change the regulations already in place. You'll, you'll have the ability to offer it in, in more states or you can see people in more states. I think that's going to be great, but we still have a lot of regulatory hurdles to, to pass. And I think the the compact will definitely be a step in the right direction to at least put down the the walls for other states. But even with that said, let's get this shit figured out within our own states before we even start seeing patients in other states. I think it, it's still it's still a, a great idea, and I think people are excited. But I think people are excited mostly because they can make additional revenue from it versus really thinking through how it integrates in an overall business standpoint. And maybe that's an overgeneralization. And I'm sure there are some people that are looking at it from a different perspective. But I think most conversations that are trying to frame telehealth, it's, oh, hey, you can have you can have more patients, you can have some additional revenue, you don't have these barriers. Um, I, I, I think long term, it's it's not an if, it's a when. I think it will hap- I think it will happen just by the trajectory of technology and implementation and how we are as human beings. It will definitely happen. Uh, that timeline is obviously iffy and and back and forth, but it, it definitely will happen with the with the growth of augmented reality, with the growth of virtual reality, with with the with the technology as it matures and lowers the what it means to connect or be in front of someone. As that evolves, that barrier is going to get less and less. And you, there's another industry that you could look at. Susie, that that's you can sort of say is a parallel to this, which is the marijuana industry, right? Because that's a big that was a big taboo. That I mean, it was illegal. It came from illegality to now being adopted in states for medical purposes, and it's still slow, and there's still a lot of stigma, and there's still a lot of stuff to work out, and there's still a lot of regulations, mm-hmm. but it's starting to become more of an accepted. Um, integration. So there's going to be more studies on it to show how telehealth has a more similar kind of one-on-one improvement and outcomes with people. Um, and then there's going to be subsets of what is this really good for? And then ultimately when insurance starts to cover it and it becomes more of a financial viability, then you start to see the regulatory changes adopt 
to it versus it to changes. So my thoughts on DigiHealth. Right. I'm just going to start think, calling uh, it that. Branding is important. I'm not sure, so sure about DigiHealth. I would just call it mobile health because everyone assumes mobile is like mobile phones and the ease at which um, you can use apps. So because I've been doing this for about six or seven years, six or seven years ago, there were, even Google couldn't figure it out. They had something called Google Helpouts. The interface was a little bit better. It was easier, but I would also tell my patients, hey, log on like 15 minutes earlier in case there are any technical hurdles. And I would spend 20 minutes past the initial 15 minutes of them like, hey, I clicked on this link and now my webcam isn't working. And I think it it's pretty much still like that. Like the the graphical the the user interfaces are not there. There's not one kind of streamlined app. There's not a FaceTime. You know, there's not a Facebook Messenger of Digi Health or Mobile Health or whatever we're calling it. Um, there's not there's not an easy way to do it. If there's not an easy way to do it, if there's not an easy HIPAA compliant way to do it that everyone can use, like if Grandma can't use it, uh, then it is not going to be a thing. You know, I think everyone's like. Gene's right. Everyone sees like it's a win-win, right? Like I can help people. Uh, I can do it from my home. They see dollar signs. Like I could, people are going to, they're going to pay me whatever I charge. You know, it's my way of getting into cash based, but there are definitely technical hurdles to it uh, on top of all the regulations right now. It's just, that's, that's another hurdle, I think, technological. Yeah. And it, it's starting already. There, there's, there's parts of it that that's happening through other applications and more of in terms of as as an accessory or as an add-on to current health already being administered to patients from places. So there's apps. There's just there's just ways to connect. I, I think the the next kind of evolutionary step is how do we maintain the relationship with our current patients to make sure that discharge never really happens, that it becomes a continuous relationship, right? Because you don't discharge friends. You don't discharge family members. You don't discharge relationships. You maintain relationships. You discharge patients and you discharge people that have a clear end and beginning and beginning and end. Um, so I think I think these will be great add-on tools to maintain that as it gets polished. Then it becomes a kind of a standalone island in itself. Right. Uh, we're heading there, but we're just not there yet. Sure. Sounds like something UpDog might be able to help solve. Yeah, maybe, maybe you keep teasing it, Urson. You keep teasing it. Uh, we'll save that for the next episode, though. It's gonna be it's gonna be an exciting announcement discussion right. of sorts. Are we gonna end on right. a high note? We're we are. End so on a medium note. Been, I don't know where we are really. We'll see you in the feedback. We've been talking for about forty minutes now. Um, yeah, let, let's finish it up. So it's great to be back. Um, obviously, I, again. You've probably have seen a bunch of contest content from us still from the videos that we put out and blogs and things like that. Um, I think this is this is still an awesome format because it's real time. There's there's no editing. It's just it is what it is, right? We we get to kind of experience it no in editing. the moment. We don't edit our other. That's true. <laughs> Well, wait, wait. I I edit the videos. Those, yes, those okay. are high we, production. Yes, we do edit our videos. But every time you tell a guest, oh, don't worry. Don't worry. We'll edit that. We'll edit. I was like, oh, she doesn't edit. She edited it. Yeah. Yeah. That is, that is very true. <laughs> so uh, I to give you a little, a little taste of what it's like to be a guest on this podcast, you whether you reach out or we reach out, once that happens and you say, yes, this is awesome. I'll be a guest on Therapy Insiders. <laughs> Guests, guests, guests usually ask us, well, what are you guys going to talk about? 
And our response in, in a matter, in, in a word is, I don't know, we'll figure it out when you get yeah, on. Yeah, that's pretty much what we did today, if it's this, not clear. This makes, yeah, this makes people a little uncomfortable <laughs> when they're not prepared. So um, that's, look, if, if you don't know what you're going to talk about, if you, if you don't feel confident in just having a conversation, especially if you're an expert or a leader in one of your, in, in the field or something that you're doing, if you can't just talk about it, you have no right being an expert in that field, which is our perspective on it. So you should be able to have a decent human conversation about whatever you're doing, whatever you're passionate about, whatever you're an expert in, or, you know, if all else fails, just talk about the Avengers or Star Wars or just some other stuff that, that you enjoy. Um, so that's, um, that's our take on that, which, which is why Erson says we never edit. So when people say, well, is this live? We say, no, we're going to edit it. In. Oh uh, yeah. They used to ask us if it was edit. live all the time. There's some reason they assumed it was live. Obviously never listening to our podcast. <laughs> no, no. I think the only one that actually listened when he said that he listened was oh, Tim Oh yeah, Flynn. I believe Tim um, Flynn. Either th- hey Tim, what's up? Yeah, either that or because he like listened right before he came on, just take a <laughs> snippet from an, from an episode. Just so he you said he that. likes to go but, on uh, runs I, I and Tim. listen to Therapy Insider podcast, whether that's still true or not, I don't know. Yeah, but- he said, well, he, he also said that he goes on a run while listening to Therapy Insiders because we make him angry <laughs> and he gives him fuel to run. I think that was, that was the full. <laughs> I don't full remember that, but yeah. <laughs> Sounds about right. <laughs> angry in a good way. All right. All right. So we're back. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for all the questions today. This will be on iTunes. This will be on Google, as it always is. Uh, please uh, submit, keep submitting your questions. We're going to come out um, every week and chat about different things. Yes, we'll get some guests on. Every week we'll kind of build on a different topic. Um, we might take you on a few little trips here and there to show you some some other aspects aside from just these backdrops. Um, so we're going to throw in some, some unique aspects for our live viewers as well, not just for the audio. Um, so expect that. It'll be fun. If you haven't subscribed on iTunes, go ahead and do that at Therapy Insiders. Um, I'd, I'd say this is our march to 1 million, Urson, over the next two years, because I think we're hovering around 700,000-ish downloads all in all. So let, let's get that extra 300,000. Let's hit that 1 million and just rent a giant yacht and take sure, everyone on the, on the trip. like a good objective goal to me. Yeah, I think all that sounds great. Minus, yeah, I would also say that we, if we figure it out, we are also going to simulcast on YouTube and my Facebook channel at the same time. It's that know that we are doing this for you. Every little piece of media or every social network that we add, Gene and I hear in each other's earphones and extra echo. So <laughs> we do it for that you. That is true. That is true. I hear like six oh, ursins right now. Um, so it was, no, I can't get enough. My brain right. hurts, but I can't get enough. All right. Well, thanks for tuning in. Uh, we're glad to be back. And we'll catch you again next week on Therapy Insiders. See you next week.